Would you join me in prayer? Open our hearts to your invitation to follow you in all our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated, my friends. So I imagine this story happened, our gospel story this morning, as Peter was throwing that perfect throw for the net. Peter and his brother Andrew were fishermen. And over the course of years, they had perfected that toss, right? Just as in anything that we do, that you do, that I do, in our lives work, we have perfected that toss. However, this day was a little different because in the middle of that perfect toss, somebody called out and said, Peter, Andrew, follow me and I will make you fish for people. What in the world does that mean? I will make you fish for people? Okay, I've been at this for 20 years. I still haven't totally figured it out, okay? But there's something important there to pay attention to. And we know it's an important story because it doesn't happen just once, does it? He goes on and there are another set of brothers who are doing what? Mending, they're fishing and they're mending their nets, right? So I imagine it was right in the middle of that perfect stitch, probably ended up piercing himself with that needle, right? And right in the middle of that, follow me. And again, these people, these brothers, these two groups of brothers dropped everything and followed Jesus. Now we need to understand what's going on here in terms of the context of the story, okay? So Jesus, we know, has been born. We just celebrated that at Christmas, right? He, had, he grew up a little bit, and he was baptized. And the Spirit comes down, descends like a dove, and says, you are my... <gasps> yes? Starts with a B. You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Okay, beloved. All right, we'll try it again. The Spirit comes down like a dove and says, you are my... There we go. With you, I am well pleased. Right? And he's driven out into the wilderness, and he's tested. Right? That whole story. Then we don't hear anything for a while. It could have been a couple years. It could have been a couple months, a couple weeks. We don't know. But there's this, this time in between. And in this in-between time, John the Baptist is continuing his ministry. Remember, John the Baptist is who baptized Jesus, and he was saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what sparks this next story is that John the Baptist, who had gone to the margins of the society where people were being, experiencing oppression and poverty and illness and insecurity and all these really awful things, John was going there and people were drawn to him because he was offering them a sense of freedom and healing. He's the one who prepares the way for Jesus, right? Will God spell? Prepare 
declare ye the way. I won't sing anymore and make you suffer, right? He was prepared. But John the Baptist had been killed by the Romans, who were the occupying force. Okay? You got that all? That's kind of the, the situation behind what's going on. Which this killing of John the Baptist, the silencing of him, is what spurs Jesus to start in on his ministry. So he goes, and he goes physically out to the margins of, of, the, the, um, of, his, of his country, to the people who are experiencing the greatest amount of oppression. If you were a fisherman, this is where we're tying it in, if you were a fisherman at the time of Jesus, and you had the Romans who were this occupying force and just pulling all the resources from the people, making them work hard and then pulling the resources. If you were a fisherman, you had to apply for you know, a license to be able to fish. You had to meet a certain fishing quota that you would give to the Romans. And it was a very heavy taxation system. Does that make sense? To the point that many people in in Jesus' country, in, in that world, um, didn't have enough to eat, um, were experiencing an incredible amount of um, poverty, illness, because when you don't have enough to eat, what happens? You get sick. And you also become emotionally ill and spiritually ill because you don't have what you need to flourish. Does that make sense? So Jesus went to the margins because it's the people who were there on the margins who knew what was going on. And they knew that they had this Roman Empire that was imposing all of these. And Jesus was basically saying, I am offering you another way of life. I am offering you a way of life that is based not on the power of oppression and draining others' resources, but is based on great love and lifting up one another so that everybody can heal and be healthy and whole, right? Because salvation isn't just about a soul thing. Salvation is about wholeness of body, soul, and spirit. And wholeness is about freedom from being afraid by other pressures that are coming in on you that are seeking to oppress you. Salvation is about wholeness and healing for all the world. Amen? And the power of love, as we know, is the most powerful force there is on this earth. Amen? Amen? And so Jesus was saying, come follow me. Follow these teachings of mine that are about love, and we will create this new community and this new way of being. Now, Matthew Skinner, who's a New Testament professor, I think it's at Luther, Lutheran Seminary in Missouri. That would make sense. There's a lot of Lutherans in Missouri, right? Okay. <laughs> Just forgive me if I'm wrong. Matthew Skinner. He said, because Jesus was going to be causing some trouble with that Roman Empire, right? I mean, we know what happened, okay? He said, those guys, those fishermen, they know they're just going to be crushed. But they do it anyways. Because they have heard, Jesus had been in the territory around the Sea of Galilee for a while, and they'd heard him teaching, going into the synagogues, and offering a new way of being in the world. So when he says, I will make you fish for people, it's not that I'm going to try and hook you in and pull you in. It's that 
my livelihood becomes a means of bringing healing to the community where I live so that you have fish to eat. Do you see what I'm saying? So that everything we do is about bringing healing into the world so that everyone can live and move and have their being in a way that is healthy and whole. That's what Jesus is doing. Now, there are going to be clashes between this kingdom of power and oppression and this kingdom of love, aren't there? But which are we going to choose? When Jesus says, follow me, he's asking us to choose which kind of power we are going to choose to follow and to enrich and to support in the world, in our families, in our schools, in our communities, in our nation, in our world, right? Which are we going to choose? Oh, it's absolutely still going on. But here's the thing. My husband and I were talking about this, and my husband's much more eloquent than I am, okay? It's just a given. He's the smart. He went to Columbia, okay, uh, in New York City. So he's a smart guy, right? But I always say when I see the Columbia graduates, I say, I'll slip the poor guy a buck. <laughs> you know, just because you gotta, you gotta love on them. Um, but we always have these great conversations Saturday night as I'm trying to work through the sermon. And he went to divinity school, that's where we met. So he's, he's always got something very wise to say. And I said, how, what does it mean to you to follow Jesus? What does that even mean? Now, he first teased me because he gave the basic answer. It means to follow Jesus. I'm like, gee, you're helpful. Thank you so much. But as we got into the conversation, we were talking about how oftentimes the call to follow Jesus comes in what seems like an interruption to our daily lives. Throwing the net, and right in the middle of that, you hear, come follow me. Sometimes it's those things that seem that distract us. Like, for example, in my work at church during the week, I feel like I never get done nearly what I need to get done because I keep getting distracted. And Dan said, but the distractions are the work, right? If you've ever raised children or grandchildren or been a friend, as they interrupt you in what you're doing, it's actually probably tending to them is so oftentimes the actual work that we need to be doing. Amen? Amen. And it's that work of love, of responding to the realities that are in our midst as we're in the middle of whatever it is we're doing. So when Jesus says, come follow me, he's inviting us, you, me, all of us, into a way of life that is constantly um, keeping our eye open for this question. What is the work of love here? And I share that question with you because if you can take that question throughout your day and as you're interrupted or as you're mending a net and ask yourself, what is the work of love here? And listen deeply for that call. That's discipleship. That's following Jesus. Does that make sense? So you have, on the one hand, these two opposing ways of living in the world. 
And, and we have a choice over and over and over again. So next week, we have a great scripture reading. Look, I brought a Bible. Reminds me that I am a Christian. <laughs> but it is beat up. See, this is my favorite one because it's all love gun. That is a pretty worn out. I've had it for over 20 years. I wouldn't lose it for anything. It has all my notes. And it even, you know what else it has in it? I died when I saw this. This was my ordination invitation back in 2001. Hmm. Looking, doesn't have as many wrinkles as the face. But. <laughs> okay, but our reading next week is from the Gospel of Matthew. Again, that's what we're going through this year. And it's the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, some of Jesus' most powerful teachings. But these Beatitudes are always confusing because they say things like, blessed are the poor. And aren't you like, how is it a blessing to be poor? But this is where God is talking, Jesus is talking about this kingdom because the people who are on the margins, like those fishermen that we were talking about, they're the ones who this kingdom of God means everything to. So hear these Beatitudes in that context. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of God is about the power of love. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy, because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are the poor, pure in heart, for they will see God, because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God, because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, because the kingdom is about love. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, the people who spoke truth, who were before you. Because the kingdom is about love. And so, my friends... May, may you hear the call of Jesus calling you to be a part of this great movement of love in the world. Whatever it is that you're doing, you are an important partner in this work of the healing of the world. God entrusts you with it. God rejoices in your joining it. And that, my friends, is how this kingdom of God, this kingdom of love grows in the world and in our lives and the lives of our community. You are ready.